Today, the first time buyer's dilemma. Hello again, it's Martin Dorth from Digital Finance Analytics. Welcome to this post covering finance and parole news with a distinctively Australian flavour. Over the next few days, I'm going to walk through my latest thinking, looking at different types of property buyers. The reason for that is that whilst you can talk generically about what's going on in the market, the truth is that different types of buyers have very different behaviours, risk profiles and other factors, which means that you need to go into some degree of granularity to be able to really talk sensibly about it. And first-time buyers in particular, to my mind, are trapped at the moment, as we will see. In response to the risks of economic collapse in the virus period, governments and central banks set about, quote, supporting the economy in a number of significant but highly disruptive ways. Central banks cut interest rates close to zero, actually in effect to zero. They flooded the markets with liquidity through quantitative easing. They made cheap funds available to retail banks to encourage them to lend. By the way, in Australia, this was the term funding facility, which still exists today, despite the fact that the RBA is now paying retail banks more than 3% on any funds they park at the RBA. Yes, that's in effect your money going direct to the retail banks. And people were also able to draw down funds from superannuation in two tranches, actually creating significant disruption in that sector too. And governments, through the JobKeeper scheme, paid firms to keep workers on their books, whether the firms turned a profit or not. And actually, many should never have been paid a bean, in my view, such as those in some retail sectors where the demand for tech and home office equipment boomed. And the government also did the home builder grants to fund new bills and perhaps improvements. Plus, we got more incentives, quote-unquote, directly for first-time buyers, including the deposit guarantee scheme, as well as state schemes, which varied across the states, of course. And in passing, remember that banks were being flexible on mortgage repayments, including switching to interest only, which reversed earlier changes from 2017, which slowed the market back then, as well as intervening in the rental market and making it hard to shift renters on, even if they did not keep rents up to date. So all in all, this was a massive overreaction, but the effect on property prices was to drive them higher, much higher. And for a time, many first-time buyers chose to pile in and buy. The average loan size lifted as rates were cut because of the lower repayments demanded at lower rates. And banks were also more flexible in their underwriting standards, so people were able to get loans at income multiples of six, seven, eight times, or even more. And while migration was turned down to a minimum, the activity from first-time buyers helped lift the demand for property and the price of property. Now, of course, the regulator APRA started to get concerned about the leverage building up and so lifted the buffer calculation the banks needed to use from 2.5 to 3% above the current actual mortgage rate. But despite this, as a result of all those interventions, property prices became ever more distorted. One reason why our aggregate debt-to-income ratios are so high, despite many other households taking the opportunity to pay down mortgages early. Credit growth accelerated, and of course the banks rejoiced. But then the inflation genie appeared, triggered by the ultra-low interest rates and the massive liquidity pumping, look at the money supply growth, as well as pressure from disrupted supply chains and the Ukraine conflict impacting energy and food prices. And so in May 2022, less than six months after the RBA governor said 
no rate rises until 2024. They started lifting rates. We've had eight so far, and probably there are more to come the next in February. But the impact, particularly on first-time buyers, is now becoming clearer and is very concerning, something which I have been tracking in my surveys and made very real in my various one-to-one -one conversations with prospective first-time property purchases in recent weeks. Property prices are now falling, and falling quite fast, in fact, at some pace that we have not seen in Australia before. And the new Labour government launched a new shared equity scheme. Again, in theory, this should make property more affordable first-time buyers, but in fact, the momentum from first-time buyers is bleeding away as the latest data from the ABS showed in November 2022, which are the latest available figures. In season-adjusted terms for owner-occupier first-home buyers, the number of new loan commitments at the national level fell 5.5% to 8,023, following a 3.3% fall in October. The November level was 50.7% below the January 2021 high of 16,000. 261. There were some state variations. In Victoria, they fell 6.1%. In New South Wales, down 5.9%. In Queensland, down 5.1%. In Western Australia, down 5.7%. In the ACT, down 16.3%. In South Australia, down 3.9%. In the Northern Territory, down 14.9%. Whereas in Tasmania, they rose 16.4%. But it's worth bearing in mind that Tasmania, Northern Territory and ACT are such small series and are very volatile month on month. Now, as I've explained before, credit availability is by far the most significant lever driving prices. As interest rates rise, the borrowing power or the mortgage amount a borrower may access for a given set of income and expenditure has dropped significantly. In practice, mortgage rates, which were around 2% before the rate rises started, are now around 6% depending on the loan-to-value ratio. But while property prices have perhaps fallen 10 to 12%, the lift in interest rates has reduced the borrowing power of a prospective purchaser by around 30%. This is because the 3% buffer of MAPRA still applies. So many first-time buyers are now in the difficult situation where prices, though they are falling, they're finding their mortgage capacity, or borrowing capacity, is falling further still. So the opportunity to become a homeowner is actually receding. To add to it, there is also the cash flow measuring that's going on at the moment. Banks need to assess your living expenses. In practice, lenders use a few different methods, but up to 80% of them use the household expenditure method, or HEM, which is based on your family size and income. And that in turn is driven by the Australian Bureau of Statistics data and also from the Melbourne Institute, because it is considered unreasonable for someone to spend less than the HEM indicator each month. Other lenders may ask you to self-assess your living expenses on your home loan application form and they may seek to review any bank account, check or savings accounts or credit card statements to confirm your self-assessment. Either accepting or adjusting your stated expenses to match your bank account history or using the hire of all of those calculations assessed against HEM, depending on the situation. So HEM becomes really important when actually determining how much you can borrow. In fact, a lot has changed over the past few years with some banks requiring you to estimate your spending in 12 or even more living expense categories. And they also are now likely to take into account obligations relating to hex debt and buy now pay later obligations. Now the HEM model takes account of the location of the household, its gross income, and family structure, including dependent children. The bigger the income, the larger the assumed costs. 
and these models are updated as new cost data emerges. And given where inflation is currently, this is a significant factor and one which once again crimps borrowing power further. As a result, many first-time buyers, even after reaching for government assistance from first owner grants and the like, find that they're still priced out of the market and getting further away from purchasing. It is, in fact, a mega policy failure. And last year, the Productive Commission rightly concluded that government incentives for first-time buyers actually made the situation worse by not really addressing affordability issues and simply bidding prices higher. Another factor we get from our surveys is that whilst first-time buyers may well have saved for a deposit, sometimes for years, they are also fearful of buying into a falling market and so losing some of those hard-earned savings. And to add insult to injury, the government has opened the spigot on migration, putting more pressure on property at the time when new build counts are falling and investors are starting to get interested again. So the dilemma for prospective first-time buyers is, do I wait or do I buy? And if I buy, can I find anything reasonable that falls into the borrowing power range? The higher rates go, the more this question is relevant because the truth is at the moment borrowing power is shrinking faster than prices. One reason why prices are likely to continue to go lower for some time, by the way. So, first-time buyers need to get good advice as to their current borrowing power, either from a lender direct or from a mortgage broker. Second, they need to consider the implications of potential price falls, both in terms of property availability, but also preparedness to lose some hard-earned equity. And third, they need to consider the implications of higher rates ahead, given the RBA is likely to lift rates some more. All in all, sometimes the best strategy is to wait and watch, rather than to go in boots and all. And remember, Buying a place to live in as a place of security for the long term is a very different proposition from property investing. So you need to use a very different decision lens for the former rather than the latter. Now, there are two things that might happen from this point. APRA may possibly reduce the 3% buffer back to 2.5%, which would perhaps improve things just a little. The second is, and this is the one that real estate agents are spruiking to high heaven at the moment, is that the RBA is going to cut rates later on. But I don't think that's going to happen this year. At the very earliest, it's likely to be 2024. And if they do cut rates, it will only be minimal. And that means that the mortgage costs are going to be a lot higher than they were a year ago. So sometimes pausing and watching and waiting for first-time buyers does make the most sense at the moment. I'm Martin North from Digital Finance Analytics. Many thanks for watching and I'll see you again next time.